Welcome to The Coaching Podcast. I'm Simon Blair, and with my co-host Emma Doyle, we explore how to coach for success in both sport and business. Laura Burgels, welcome to The Coaching Podcast. Thank you, Simon. This is so fun already. <laughs> That's because we've done some stuff off, off air, haven't we? <laughs> oh, a little bit. <laughs> Um, no, I really appreciate your uh, your time and uh, and joining the show. And uh, we've recently connected over LinkedIn, which has been great. And uh, you, you were very excited to appear, which is always uh, fantastic. And I believe you've got a couple of very interesting things to share with us, which could work. We'll never well. know until I start well, uh, uh, right. chatting with you. You might say, you know, give me the hook right away and say, no, <laughs> no, not that story. <laughs> It's, uh, I can edit stuff out. It's all good. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Um, so, Laura, what I'd uh, love for you to do is to tell our audience um, a bit about yourself, your background, and, you know, uh, obviously what would have prompted me to, to reach out to you and invite you on the show. Oh, sure. I'm Laura Bergels. I'm a writer and consultant from Grand Rapids, Michigan. And uh, Simon reached out to me after something that I posted on LinkedIn, my favorite social media site, about uh, the imposter syndrome. Yes. So, yeah, as a speech consultant, overcoming people's fears and imposter syndrome, uh, Simon reached out to me because somehow it spoke to you. Yeah, so Laura, we actually had uh, one of our previous guests, Shelley Flett, um, who actually do some work with, with a separate show in the contact center space. And uh-huh. uh, yeah, she raised that in now interview for the coaching podcast, um, <clears throat> the work that she does in helping leaders and even with herself uh, deal with right, right. The imposter syndrome. So straight away, that, that was the connection when I saw the article and it sort of leapt out at me how relevant that can be for, I think, so many of our audience. And as coaches, yeah. you know, we're often in situations where, you know, we're potentially we have those self-doubts, you know, uh, especially when I like people who have people. self-doubts. Yeah. So, right? Well, no doubt we'll probably, we'll jump into that a little bit more because I think even okay. if it's at the end or depending how it goes with the questions and uh, the answers, but... Um, because I think that's, uh, well, I certainly encourage everyone to certainly connect with Laura on LinkedIn and have a look at those articles because Laura responded very well to your, not only the the content, but the way you expressed yourself and the way, yeah, your writing style was just, uh, it was funny. It was just so enjoyable to read. So you had a nice, unique sort of Well, thank you, Simon. Fun is a big part of my brand. Well, there you go. I know coaching can be difficult (laughs) and it can be challenging. So I do try to step it up and see what I can do to make learning and coaching fun. Because it's hard. Yeah, absolutely. We're probably going to get a good sense of that, uh, I think, through this uh, interview from you. So, So let's jump into the questions. And okay, let's do this. So, Laura, we're going to start with the what we like to ask uh, Emma and I, all of our international guests, which is the vet. Do you love it or do you hate it? Simon, I love hate Vegemite. That's a Can love- I tell my Vegemite story? You've got a Vegemite <laughs> And why I love story. it and hate it at the same time. Oh, can't wait. Go for it. All right. So the first time I had Vegemite, Vegemite, which was. (laughs) I actually keep it around in my briefcase. I'm not kidding about that because I love hate it. 
Um, so just, just for our <laughs> listeners, Laura has yeah. actually held up. We're, we're, I'm doing a Skype interview with Laura, and she's held up the jar of Vegemite. <laughs> yeah. I carry Vegemite with me, not at all times, but I do carry it with me. Uh, the first experience I ever had with Vegemite was in 1997 in Bolivia on Lake Titicaca. And that's a really weird place for uh, an American to have Vegemite for the first time. But I was a tourist, and I was on a really little boat with two Australians, and they whipped out their Vegemite and a sleeve of crackers, and they're spreading it. And I'm like this raccoon. And I come over, and I'm like, I got, I've never had Vegemite. you got to give me some of your Vegemite. And they're like, you won't like it. <laughs> You're an American. You have to be an Australian to like Vegemite. And I'm like, no, no, you don't understand me. I love everything. All food is good. And I'm just infinitely curious. And I must have the Vegemite. They're like, no, you won't like it. But, you know, I'm a raccoon and I'm pestering them. And they're like, fine, here, have some Vegemite. And as I'm spitting it up over the boat and screaming, oh, my God, this is the worst stuff I've ever put in my mouth. You know, they're saying, you know, we told you you wouldn't like it. So, no, fast forward 20 years and I pull out my Vegemite once again because I'm teaching a course at a local university on creativity. And I tell them my Vegemite story. I tell them how much I hate Vegemite, the entire class. I tell them it's the worst thing we've ever put in our mouths. And I put it on my desk with a sleeve of crackers and I say, I would never force you to eat this, but if you would like to try it, I'm going to leave it right here during class so that you can just come up and try it if you want to. Simon, they all lined up. <laughs> they had to try it. And they're spreading it on the cracker, and the first person does it, and he's eating it, and he's like, bleh, and he runs to the garbage can, and then person, everybody sees this, and they're just lining up more and more, and the whole class does it. They, every single one is tasting it, and they're all in complete agreement. It's the worst thing they've ever had, which led to a whole hour, maybe hour and a half discussion on, why did we do that? <laughs> Why do we do what we do? So um, I'm fascinated to know, did the class and yourself come to any resolution in, in being oh, able to yes. answer that question? Well, see, this is a course on creativity, and they had a whole lot of creative creative ideas on, on why they did that, and it led to a whole lot of great storytelling. But one of the reasons that I was trying to impress on them was something called the knowledge gap or the curiosity gap, mm. and we use that in creativity and writing a whole lot which is sometimes the pain of not knowing what the worst food in the world tastes like is worse than actually tasting the worst food in the world. You have to know. You have to know. Absolutely. Well, it's, it taps into some innate human evolutionary thing probably of just... Because <laughs> we do a... all sorts of crazy things yeah, like that, that, right? Those, those, those awful curiosity gap headlines that you see in social media like... This guy sat down at the piano, and you won't believe what happened next. And you know it's yeah. going to be a crummy article, but, you but you're clicking on it anyway because it. you have to know what happens next. So you had your own or version of, cl of clickbait for your uh, for your students. <laughs> Real world clickbait. Brilliant, love it. That is fantastic. Completely unexpected that uh, that revelation. And uh, um, who would have thought uh, an American with the carries around Vegemite? <laughs> <laughs> and use it to well, do something see, that Emma and I talk about quite a lot on the show, which is uh, breaking the pattern as well, you know, breaking yeah. the pattern from, from a learning perspective. And you definitely that's from what you just revealed that you managed to do that in that uh, environment. So 
That is two terrific. thumbs up. And, and and as long as we're breaking the pack, let's just open this up to your audience too. For you know, that's just one theory: the curiosity gap, and mm. and breaking the uh, uh, pack is another one. But what other reasons? And uh, what did you think of the assignment that I gave my uh, class, which was to come up with an advertising campaign to convince Americans to eat Vegemite? Ah, terrific. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I have this theory that um, non-Australians, when they try Vegemite, they put uh-huh. it on too thick. Because there's actually a skill in, it's, it's the ratios. It's a ratio thing of, say, cracker to Vegemite. Vegemite with butter is typically how we consume Vegemite as well. And that tends to create a perfect storm of taste and flavor. And, but, it, yeah. So, but you didn't cover that. Did you, did you talk about we, thickness? or We we did not talk about that. We segued really quickly into the Tim Tam Slam. <laughs> yes. With the, is that and the, the, the hole and taking the liquid through the Tim Tam? Is that? Yes. <laughs> exactly. Um, we decided that uh, if I was going to be an effective teacher, what I really needed to do was locate some Tim Tams and uh, bring in a, a pot of coffee, and then they would oh, forgive me for the Vegemite experience. Absolutely. So we do have some good uh, good habits here in Australia and with food, and that is that is certainly one of them. Um, Everybody got behind the Tim Tam Slam. I'm sure they did. Chocolate and coffee. I mean, what's not to like? Perfect. It's perfection. Um, so, Laura, as a result of the well, the love hate, you've actually yeah, you're you're in that 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 the middle there. So you get to choose in terms of revealing to our audience either your best or worst coaching experience as a coach or as a coachee yourself? Oh, boy. Um, as a coach or a coachee. Well, I'll, I'll pick on myself because I've had so many terrible coaching moments as, as a coach, which is when do you know when to break up with a client? Mm. The right. uncoachable client, yeah. sure, but uh, uh, what, this is the heartbreaker. The heartbreaker is the long plateau and you start doing the self-doubt of, am I the right coach for this person? Mm. Is this person coachable? Are we ever going to have a breakthrough, or do I need to break up? Have and you, there's you been one, times one that, example yeah. where, you, where you actually that really that situation really manifested itself in a quite challenging yeah. way. Oh yeah, and the, the example is I was working with a fellow, and I was having those self-doubts, and um, it wasn't going anywhere. And I did break up with him, and it was a bad breakup. Oh, he was not pleased. <laughs> uh, yeah, he kind of acted like it was. I, I used the term breakup because he kind of acted like it was a uh, a romantic relationship that it was breaking up. And I'm like, okay, made the right decision, but boy, did this feel bad. This was an mm. icky, icky, not good experience at all. So yeah, blew it. Totally just, blew it. You could have done the modern form of breakup and just texted him. <laughs> <laughs> we can't do oh, this anymore. Oh, the ghosting. <laughs> oh, I love how the kids are ghosting nowadays. That would have been just, you know, ah. Oh, that's, uh, oh yeah. that, that's something to do to say. Now I recommend ghosting for, <laughs> for any <laughs> difficult situation. Complete avoidance. It's just, uh, okay, just kidding about that, but yeah. Yeah, yeah sure. I mean, look, and that's that's a great, great example. And um, yeah, it takes courage, takes courage to, as a, as a coach, consultant yeah. and whatever capacity you're in when you've got clients to to sometimes make those decisions that you know is just the right thing for Ugh. them whether they realize yeah. it or not and certainly for yourself so 
boy, I wish I could have had magic words or a process mm. to handle that better. Um, yeah, I second guess myself on that one still to this day. Yeah, yeah. sure. Um, like, yeah. And so conversely, Laura, what about the best best experience or experiences that you've had as a, as a coach? You know, as long as I'm sticking on this whole love-hate thing, I'll, I'll say something really similar. It's when you have that long plateau of, you know, that mm, not really showing a lot of improvement here. And you're even second-guessing yourself and saying, maybe maybe the breakup is imminent or maybe I need to. And you make that one suggestion. I'm thinking of this guy. I made this suggestion. And just it was just really a small thing. And he blew up. Just became extremely angry. I am not going to do that. And I just let him wear himself down. And then at the end of it, he goes, okay, I'll try it. <laughs> and right. And he You're does it. <laughs> yeah. No, and I, 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 he does it. And he has this major breakthrough. Yeah. And it's not just for the task at hand, because it was a, a specific speech that he was doing. And he was sure. doing it really, really well. Uh, but I thought this one thing might might really help to improve it and wow did he object and just flew off the handle got himself together tried the technique had the breakthrough and we ended up having this you know wonderful bonding moment but he also had this had a a breakthrough not just for that speech but a breakthrough for a lot of other things and it ended up being a really useful productive discussion and I, I think you know that's the flip side of that love hate is sometimes you hang in there and have a moment like that mm. and that's kind of why coaches hang in maybe yeah. <laughs> a little yeah. longer for those really great moments absolutely once, difficult moments yeah and once you using your example there which is uh, well actual situation that's happened it's uh, terrific where that's challenging to start with and for the individual and then obviously for yourself trying to support yeah. them in whatever capacity and by the end of it they have these breakthroughs and overcome even just that, that those psychological barriers and yeah uh, and then it gives you yeah it gives you the gets you through I think then other situations once you have that once yeah. those key moments yeah 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 it's, it's, it's massive it, you know, for, what, for, for what happens thereafter that, that moment is so cool and I think that's why I hang on to plateaus for a long time because I'm waiting for that really wonderful feeling of that wonderful, wonderful breakthrough that is so rewarding as a coach, but it's so rewarding for the client when they go through all that hardship and that hard work and they it, it pounds yeah. through and it's, yeah. it's, it's a great feeling. Terrific. And so Laura brings me to asking about uh, what we like to call a sliding doors moment. Oh, oh. Where... Uh, Key, key moment in your career could have been quite recent, could have been a long time ago, where you had to make a decision, and that put you on a path yeah. to where you are now. Would have been very, yeah. very different if you'd chosen differently. Have you got something, yeah. to, a situation you can recall? Yeah, quite a few of those, but I'll I'll pick an early one when I was in college, dead broke, living in a shoebox, basically, you know, a really small apartment with two girls and. Uh, it was late at night and I'm kind of listening to them snore. So it's a really squalid situation. And I realized that I am just grinning and I am so happy and I'm like projecting into the future and thinking, I am so happy right now because I'm 
just learning so much in college, cool people, cool friends, talking about ideas, doing interesting things. And yet at the same time, I was getting all this pressure to join this career track, you know, and get a job and climb up the corporate ladder and make a lot of money. That's a very American thing. We get this relentless careerism just pounded on us at an early age. And I said, man, I could live in a shoebox on the side of the road and I would be totally happy. I am totally not cut out for a career in corporate America and this relentless pursuit of careerism, which is a steady drumbeat here in, in the States. I don't know if you have the pressure that we do here, but it's it's crazy. I think I think most Western societies do, but I think we're also cognizant of the American system, the whole college system and the, yeah. the be-all, end-all and... So someday you may see me just sitting on a park bench and, you know, that'll actually be my house and where I live or something, but I, I will totally be in love. Be I was going to say you'd be smiling. <laughs> I would. I probably would. Um, what I like about your story is how, how it's such a critical age, um, you know, young adult, to have that level of self-awareness. Uh, oh, I wish I could say that it, that was so easy because that it's a relentless drumbeat, and there's a whole lot of times that I have fallen trapped to that relentless careerism here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you get caught up in it, yeah. and then you have to walk away from it. And uh, every time I walk away from it, I end up being so happy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go back. No more going back. <laughs> yeah, I know, no. Stay strong. Um, terrific. Uh, so... Laura, do you have, uh, in three words or less, some <gasps> words around what you think makes a great coach? Yeah. Observation, listening, watching. I know those are all three, you know, part and parcel of the same thing. Sure. But, uh, yeah, that's where it all stems from, that deep listening and that deep watching and that deep intuitive stuff that you have to do, um, which is, you know, shut up and listen and listen for what's not being said. Take the cues in all, yeah. all of it from wherever, wherever it's coming from. Yeah. Brilliant. Recognize it too, because you have to, you have to keep looking, uh, uh, at that from client to client and see what the similarities are and, you know, map that onto uh, a bigger picture. Mm. Terrific. Because yeah, I, I love what you're saying because, yeah, we often talk about you know methods of, or great great uh, aspects of what drives good coaching, but really what you're focusing on is where it all starts. Right, because as a coachee, uh, the, the the times that haven't resonated well with me when I'm being coached is when somebody tries to apply a boilerplate to me. Um, so especially when you're working with a high performer. Uh, don't, I would never put a boilerplate on that. It's about me taking a definite backseat and just listening and listening and listening, like listening to that guy, uh, uh, rant on me about, I am not going to do that, you know, uh, and me just letting him rant. Yeah. That's got to be part of it. That's, yeah. that's his style and that's, what's going to happen with him. Yeah. Um, I can't boilerplate that. Brilliant. Love that example. Thank you so much. Um, so listening, ob really listening, that observation, and uh, gather, gather the insight and the evidence that you need um, and take your time doing that to get it right. Laura, you've um, you raised a couple of things earlier in the interview uh, which you may choose to uh, have now for our question. So I wanna, do you have a question for our audience for this episode? Um, 
that you would like to to know or, or get some insight on uh, from either us or certainly our audience of, of coaches? Yeah, I, I, I'll broaden it because this is a question that I often ask uh, coaching students and ask uh, students and, you know, coaches. And I'd like to know your response, too. And it deals a little bit with the imposter syndrome. The question is, what factors make you feel most confident? And I ask that because every, you know, we talk about not boilerplating things. The thing that make you feel confident and the factors that make you feel confident uh, might not be the factors that make me feel confident or Emma feel confident and respecting the differences that each of us have and, you know, building on what our strengths are um, and finding that place of confidence that we can build on to, to start with is, is often how we do it. How did you develop the confidence to do this podcast? How did you develop? You're right. Really? Because this is not like, yeah, this is not something that you were taught in grade school and you know, this was not your career path and suddenly you're podcasting. So what gives you the confidence to do what it is that you do? Mm. I would like to ask that question of Mick Jagger. (laughs) Right? Yes. Did he, was he, was he just born that way? Is it just these innate psyche or did he actually have to make like sliding doors moments conscious choices moments right right step out step out step out of that comfort zone so uh, great it's a great question laura that is a tremendous value that you've given uh given our show and our audience i really want to thank you for your time and for your great contribution um and for the chance to connect and 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 uh, meet with you and well done on those articles uh, keep up the um, that great contribution that you're making, certainly on LinkedIn. And uh, I'd encourage everyone, as I said earlier, to, to connect, connect with Laura and uh, follow her stuff because it is highly valuable and, and highly entertaining. And, <laughs> and I think that combination hits, hits a sweet spot, certainly did for me. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for saying such kind things. I really appreciate that. And this has been an awful lot of fun, Simon. <laughs> well, that's that's what it's all about with you, Laura. I get a great sense of that and uh, what you do with your students and um, introducing things like Vegemite. Well, fun might be a bit of a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> because you might have a lot of fun in putting people through a lot of pain. And maybe that's... <laughs> Maybe this. Oh no! Am I the sadistic coach? <laughs> I always thought I was the fun coach. Maybe I have some self awareness work to do. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's terrific. Terrific contribution. Really appreciate. Thanks for uh, thanks for the interview. Oh, my pleasure. Um, yeah, and if you could feel free to follow me on LinkedIn. Uh, I, I do write and contribute there, and I actually teach courses on LinkedIn Learning as well. So if you need to. Uh, some upgrades. I, I, I will hopefully have a course coming out soon. And uh, I also teach courses there on public speaking and crisis communication. Oh, excellent. So look, no doubt there'd be a number of uh, our listeners out there that might find some great value in that. So, And even myself included. And uh, Emma's um, had the opportunity to do, uh, do a TED Talk recently. And <gasps> we've talked about some of... Uh, the challenges there for her to get to that point in confidence and practice and skill and putting herself out there, uh, very much relating to the themes, some of the themes we've talked about today. So, um, Oh, Emma, yeah. please keep growing on, on the, the confidence that you've had of doing a TED Talk because that's a spectacular experience. Yay, you. <laughs> 
She'll, she'll love that. All right. Thank you, Laura. Appreciate your time. Emma Doyle is an international high-performance coach and motivational speaker, helping people to unlock their inner coach. Her mission is to unleash female potential through her girl power camps and the Confidence Matrix program. She can be contacted on email via emma at emmadoyle.com.au or visit her website or Facebook page. And myself, well, I'm a contact center coach with a career of more than 25 years creating strong coaching culture and performance within sales and customer service teams. I would love your connection on LinkedIn. Search Simon Blair Contact Center Coach or you can email me direct at simon.blair at 5degrees.com.au. That's F-I-V-E-D-E-G-R-E-E-S.